Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I, I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. Celtics introduced Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor today. We will get into it. Plus, we'll talk about 18 games in the NFL. The competitiveness of this organization. Um, you know, they've been winning for, for years. I mean, you see all the banners you know, upstairs and in the arena. You know, it's a winning organization, and I want to win. You know, that's, that's what I'm about you know, throughout my basketball career. And as a pro, you know, I haven't won consistently. And you know, I just want to get a taste of that. They've been winning for, for years. I mean, you see all the banners you know, upstairs and in the arena. You know, it's a winning organization, and I want to win. You know, that's, that's what I'm about you know, throughout my basketball career. And as a pro, you know, I haven't won consistently. And, you know, I just want to get a taste of that. And, you know, I thought this was the best place for me to do that. So he called me, I answered the phone, it was like a deep voice, and I was like, I was like, who is this? He's like, that's Kemba, man, you know, just, you know, we, we, we want you to be here, and we are very excited about it. I was like, you know, just, uh, um, that made me very excited, and really feel, feel so special. I mean, obviously, as an, you know, all-star guy uh, like him, and a superstar like him, and just uh, calling me and just saying, hey, we want you to be here. But that made me very special, and I was like, I talked to my manager, I was like, I think this is the place that I want to play for. It was my uh, old jersey number, by the way, number and um, I want to be the reason that no one else will. <laughs> I have to say it. Welcome to Week 13. Count it. Week 13 of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is nobody. It's yours truly, Mark Loisel Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. We got a little thunderstorm going on right now, but we will fight through it, of course. Thank you for all tuning in tonight. Celtics introduced Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor today. What a scene it was, as you just heard in the intro. And we will also get into a possible addition, a very nice addition by the NFL, something Roger Goodell's not used to. So as mentioned, the Celtics introduced Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor, and what a fun environment it was. You know, every time you looked at Kyrie, you were questioning him. Every time he said something, no more having to do that. You have fun guys in here, guys that have leadership, one guy that has been in the playoffs in Ennis Cantor. So there's a lot of momentum building for the Celtics for the good rather than the bad. Now, there's always still going to be question marks, but something I really want to get to is Ennis Cantor's humor. Man, this guy's going to be fun. Obviously, him being on Twitter is probably not the best fit for the Celtics. But I will say, if he comes out with some funny quotes, he's going to be a ball of fun. And I'm telling you right now, his classic quote today was the rafters. Talking about number 11 being in the rafters. Okay, He's referencing a commercial that Kyrie Irving did with his father 
the Nike commercial. Now, it was very touching. The commercial was very touching at the time, but now it's kind of a laughing stock just because Kyrie's no longer going to be granted that number 11 into the rafters. So there's no retired number 11. Number 11 still up for grabs, and Ennis Canner, he has it. And he has told the fans not to worry about buying his jersey. Just tape Cantor in writing on the back of the jersey. I cannot imagine that Nike's too happy with Kemba choosing number eight, hence Antoine Walker's number, and Ennis Cantor choosing number 11. That's kind of like a silver lining of all this is save your money, do what you can with the jerseys, don't invest too much into these these type of players. Kemba you can, but Ennis Cantor is only going to be here for probably one or two years. If he does well, which I think he will, just because he's posted 14 points and averaged nine rebounds per game last season, and throughout his career he's right around those numbers. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of sticks around, maybe if the Celtics, you know, get that third guy, um, which we will get into. I just, again, want to talk about the cadence, talk about, you know, how nice these guys were in the press conference and you can't get overhyped. So when Kyrie got acquired by the Celtics, even myself was at fault, kind of bought into it and said, this is going to be awesome. They're going to win championships, you know, things of that nature, just because if you look at it on paper from top to bottom, it looks great. But you also got to take action, right? So the action wasn't as advertised, at least for a year and a half, maybe for half a season. But even Kyrie missed some time. So there was a little bit of a, a room of, to say that there was consistency of winning. And also leadership mindset. I mean, after uh, the Orlando situation with Gordon Hayward, it was kind of just flushed down the toilet as a season of fighting, really. Just like a season of fighting that just, you can't overstate the fact that Kyrie really turned that locker room around for the worst. I mean, as much as I hate Terry Rozier saying that on ESPN, he's telling the truth. And it was probably some aspect of Brad Stevens playing favorites with Gordon Hayward, which I will like to see if that happens this year. I know Kemba has a great relationship with Gordon. They wanted to team up with Charlotte. That, of course, didn't happen. But I want to see what this character development looks like for the Celtics because, again, you can't get too excited without seeing what it can be on the court. Now, Brad Stevens has turnaround guards. You talk about Isaiah Thomas. You talk about Terry Rozier. Even Kyrie Irving. As much as people hated Kyrie Irving, he was magnificent on the floor in the regular season. Not in the playoffs. We obviously know that. At least against the Milwaukee Bucks, he struggled immensely. He did okay against Indiana. But every single year, it seems like Brad Stevens has his guard, his favorite guard. And let's see if Kemba can be the ultimate favorite. You know, he has shown in the past throughout UConn, throughout Charlotte, just words around him is positive and it's good to see but we need again we need to see what he looks like on the court with this Celtics team and I wouldn't be shocked come trade deadline if Hayward's value is high and also Jalen Brown's value is high you kind of have to look at which one you're going to keep because I don't think they'll keep both I don't think you can I, I think you need to give up on one at least and also you gotta look at the money in the long run Jalen Brown could be a restricted free agent. 
Gordon Hayward might be could be a free agent in two years. So at the same token, if you're looking at both sides of it, one of those guys might be out by deadline. And it's not a bad thing if the Celtics do that because you need a little bit of balance. You can't have all shooters. You can't have me, me, me kind of ball. I think Kemba's going to do a great job adjusting his game. I do believe that. I think he has that mindset of winning. He'll do anything to make it win, to make it happen. I think he's tired of losing, and I think he's kind of happy to have talent around him because in Charlotte, he had squat. He had squat. Now, in this canter, like I said, great press conference. This guy is going to be a good guy on the court. He's going to set screens for you know Carson Edwards coming off of picks. He's going to pick and pop, pick and roll kind of game with Kemba Walker. Jason Tatum and even Jalen Brown in the open. Cantor loves to run the floor. You know, he loves to grab rebounds. That's one thing that the Celtics immensely needed. And Danny Ainge was right when he said he's shocked that he got Ennis Cantor for that kind of money. Because Cantor should have been in the $10, $12 million range. But he decided to go to the Celtics and have a chance at winning a championship. Now, the East is more wide open. The West isn't, which I can kind of see why he you know, kind of shot away from Portland, even though Portland was on his back saying, hey, when are you going to make this decision? Pestering and pestering and pestering. And what that happens to be is a click of the phone. That's what happens when you pressure him too much. So maybe we got to adjust our expectations for him as well. We're expecting him to come in and be a starting five for the Boston Celtics with Brad Stevens and these young guys. I don't know how much that can really, you know, get too much involvement in his game, but he's going to have to do it. And I think Kemba Walker is going to be his partner. And I think there's a lot of similarities, of course, off the court. I think it's totally different. But I think the way these Boston Celtics are lined up, there's a ton of similarities. Kemba Walker's kind of compared to Kyrie Irving on the court. You know, um, not a ball-dominant guy because I think the reason why Kemba was is because he needed to be, just like he was in UConn. So this going to be a huge adjustment that he will have to make. But the fact that he can score 20 to 25 points a game, grab, I don't know, five rebounds and throw out seven or eight assists. And then if you look at Ennis Cantor, maybe Cantor is exactly what the Celtics need to fill the void of Al Horford. Al Horford only averaged 15 points, 8 rebounds, 7 rebounds, somewhere in that range. Whereas Ennis Cantor, 14 rebounds, nine, I mean 14 points, 9 rebounds. So there's not much of a big difference there. But at the same token, you can't really buy into too much of what Al was really great at. Okay, Because I think anybody really could go in and do what he does. I really do. Even though, you know, he made some crazy shots, he had a terrible, I I don't think people understand that he had a terrible series against Cleveland in last, uh, two years ago when Terry Rozier was running show. So I don't buy into Al Horford being the callous of that team and stuff like that. What I think he is is a good veteran presence. And Ennis Cantor at 27, Kemba Walker at 29, the average age of this team is probably within the 25 to 26th range. So they are a young team, and there will have to be some significant balance and character transformations on this team. And I think losing Kyrie is huge, losing Terry is huge, 
Marcus Morris. I think sometimes you butt heads with guys that have really that type of that that want it attitude too much, cocky attitude, I would say. And I can see them being very, very cocky. So I, I think it's going to be a learning experience for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to really get their act together. And I think it will happen. And I want to talk about what's being overlooked here. Kemba Walker is a gamer. He is a gamer. You cannot hate on what he brings to the table night in and night out because he has displayed unbelievable presence for a team that sucked, was on the verge of making the playoffs. I mean, they were the ninth, the 10th seed, but I mean, when it came, when it came down to it, he just didn't have enough. And, and even the coach, I mean, the coaches weren't really up to par for his kind of game. And I think if you plug in Kemba Walker and Brad Stevens' system, good Lord, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. This is going to be advancements in this season. Now, like I said, I'm going to pump the brakes just because there's most certainly unknown. I want to see also, and I want to hear if there's true stories about Brad Stevens playing favorites with Gordon Hayward in his injury. I think it's going to change because Gordon no longer really has that issue. He no longer has that injury. Yes, he's still rehabbing, but like it's not a significant rehab. So if I'm looking at the presence of Brad Stevens in the locker room, it's fear game. That's what I'm going to because if he doesn't put himself in that position, a lot of guys are going to turn backs on him because he's not necessarily making the right decision. And I think Jason Tatum, I think Jalen Brown, they're always going to have something in the back of the head saying that if Gordon Hayward's done something wrong and they step up and say something to Brad, will Brad react? And I think that's exactly what's on the back of the heads of these guys. And I don't think that can that most certainly should happen. I think you got to throw out the favorites. You got to play fair game. If Gordon sucks that game, you take him out and you put in Tatum or you put in Brown. And I think having that balance of, you know, off the court issues versus on court, I think it's no longer really relevant. I think between, like I said, Terry and his issues, Kyrie Irving wanting the ball, wanting to be the guy off the court, which he couldn't be the leader. I think Marcus Morris had that cocky attitude. I think just a lot of the mix didn't really work out for the better. And I think having a clean slate, which I think Danny saw in the draft, Ainge did one hell of a job going out for guys that are NBA ready. You're seeing it in the summer league. Carson Edwards will be a huge factor, a huge factor in this season. He will average 15 to 16 points a game. I can say that with confidence just because you look at his highlight tape of course he's smaller of course there's sometimes he gets in you know turnover situations but I'm telling you what I want a guy that's going to post up a three down the stretch when money's on the line you know when the game's on the line and you have a guy that can create his own like Carson Edwards like Kemba Walker those two guys are going to be fun they're going to be a fun tandem to watch and I see a lot of similarities in the game. And I think Carson can learn from Kemba. And possibly when Kemba turns 33 in year four of his contract, maybe Carson starts to take that turn. But I'm not going to get to that point, obviously. But I think Carson Edwards has the ability to become a Lou Williams off the bench for the Celtics. And like I said, it's not over hype. Okay? He had a great summer league. He really did. 
I saw a stat that if he played 48 minutes, if he played a 48-minute game, he would have scored 37.7 points per game. That's tremendous. I don't think people realize the difference between summer league and regular NBA games, 10 minutes versus 12 minutes. This guy had two less minutes to play with, and he made his presence known. This dude put up numbers, put up numbers, and I was punching my fist because it is magnificent watching this dude light it up from three. What the Celtics need are guys that can make threes and not want to be shooters. If they have those guys, Marcus, Marcus Smart can kind of take a step back. So I think there's a lot of achievement in this summer, not only through summer league, but through trades, through signings. And I don't necessarily think Danny Ainge is done yet. I think he's still going to try to work the market. But I just don't think anything's out there that he can necessarily get now. He's probably going to have to wait till the deadline. But as far as what I see out of Kemba and Ennis Cantor is one, professionalism. Two, they're not making up bullshit at the podium. They really believe in what they say. And three, they believe in the winning atmosphere with the Boston Celtics. They obviously have to show it on the court. But again, for all doubters that say nobody wants to go to Boston, it has taken an immense turn for the, for the right. And the people that are saying this are wrong. The fact that Ennis Cantor and Kemba Walker signed with the Celtics is huge. Like I said, Cantor could have got his money this offseason, and he elected to wait and decided to go to the Celtics route. And on the flip side, Kemba left after being in the league, what, seven or eight years with Charlotte? He elected to go to Boston. And that just shows that Boston is always going to be in conversation because of the banners. But again, you can talk those banners, but you better walk them. Because if you don't, then all that winning atmosphere, winning attitude, winning mentality is thrown out the window. The Celtics won a championship in the 07-08 season, but they have yet to do anything recently. And this is coming from a Celtics supporter. I really believe over the course of the history the Celtics had it. But somewhere in the mix, whether that's coaching, whether that's players not seeing eye to eye, they kind of lost that winning mentality. If there's any other year, because I thought that Kyrie was really a guy that's me, me, me all the time. And I've said it in the past, and I will always keep saying it. Guys that have been there in the moment, dealing with adversity, are always going to be better guys on and off the court than guys that have said, I am the number one player on the court. I am the number one recruit out of high school. I am the number one player coming out of college basketball. Hence, Kyrie Irving versus Kemba Walker. Kemba will be successful because he has that chip on his shoulder. He has that chip. What is it? He wants a championship. He wants it so bad, and it seems like he chose the Celtics because he wanted to win the championship with. And what a great feeling it must be for Danny Ainge, Brad Steven, Wick Grossbeck, and company because he has got it done time and time again down the stretch. And he's going to be improvement compared to Kyrie, 
and Ennis Cantor is going to bring his A game as well. So we will see if this translates. But again, they might be title contenders. Let's pump the brakes. But they're a young group. They're a young group. And they have the immense talent to bring it every single game. But again, before we talk about championships, let's start winning playoff series the way they should. And I think they will, especially with the killer mentality that they have in all these type of players. And like I said from the start, great job by Danny Ainge. You got Carson Edwards. You got Grant Williams. Romeo Lankford's going to come back from injury. And I think Taco Fall is going to be a huge, huge addition, especially in the front court. I appreciate you all listening in on the Celtics. Let's talk about the NFL coming up. So let's take a break from the hardwood. Let's move on to the grass and turf. I feel like the NFL has always prioritized on development of their product. And Roger Goodell has always... That's been his mainstay, is a product on the field. He doesn't really care about off-field issues. He doesn't really care about, you know, uh, domestic violence, robbery. Like, obviously, these guys get fined, but these guys are criminals at, at times. And he doesn't counter like he should. Um, but this might be a, definitely a game-changer on the field. Now, what's been reported by many uh, journalists is the NFL is trying to extend their season to 18 games. Now, why is this so effective for the owners? It's just dollar signs at the end of the day. More money, more ticket sales, more jersey sales, more concession stand sales. Like There's a ton of um, value in bringing an 18-game season to the table. The only issue I have... And uh, Chris Trapazzo at uh, CBS Sports broke it down actually quite uh, nicely for us. Um, He's like, you might be wondering on how many players actually were available, you know, good enough by their coaches to play in every game last season. I had the exact number, 31.4%. So that's 677 players out of 2,150 who played at least one game. So whether it was due to suspension, poor play, or injury, all of which happened every year, 68.6 of NFL players failed to appear in all 16 regular season games in 2018. And in 2017, that figure was an even 69%. In 2016, it was 67.8. He went on to say how, you know, the NFL, there's a lot of benefits to it, of course. More money, more games, more television ads. So at the end of the day, I would say the product on the field gets worse. It's going to come down to whether Roger Goodell wants to increase the revenue or watch out for the safety of players. And this is going to be a huge climax decision, I think. You know, the NFL owners bringing this up, they have an agenda. They want to make more money. But at the same time, if you look at those stats, those are staggering stats. I mean, 31.4% of players have played. Like, that. that's just hard to believe. I, I honestly think that number and 
I'm sure Chris did his research, but it's got to be even lower. But we'll go with 31%. I honestly think that that is troublesome for the NFL from a product standpoint. Because if you have guys play two more regular season games, which are usually battles, which usually increase heavy workload on your body, you might see more workload management converting to the NFL from the NBA. Now that translation for the NBA has slightly worked out. I mean, you can talk about Kawhi taking off, you know, some odd games with the uh, Toronto Raptors to save his body for the playoffs. But I think in the NFL, it's a week-to-week process. You have practice. It's a worrisome to me to understand how big of an issue that can be for players moving forward, their safety, their bodies. Now, granted, they get paid an extremely immense amount of money. So this is the side effect, the positive side effect, how players can counter off of this arrangement if it does happen. They can make more money. So more money into the NFL, more money to the owners. Oh, and more money to Roger Goodell, and then it spreads around to players. Everybody wins. It's just a little bit of a caution when it comes to these wear and tear of these players' bodies, especially young players. Like, I think older guys, they've been through, you know, enough of the trenches to understand what it takes to play 16 games. But in an 18-game season, you have to look at the silver lining in all this, and that's the player's safety. I, I just think that gets overlooked. And I think if players play more than 16 games, which they have, I mean, I'm not acting like some of these players haven't. You know, you have playoffs. You know, you do the math, it's another, what, four games if you make it to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, they're going through definitely a lot of uh, struggles and obstacles. And at the end of the day, nobody's 100% at the end of the season, which is a given fact. I think, you know, extending it to two more games isn't really that big of an issue. But when it comes down to it, players are going to, especially the NFLPA, NFL Players Association, they're going to look out for the betterment of their players, their clients. So if it's to me... I say increase that season from 16 to 18 with caution. I don't necessarily think it's a sign, sealed, delivered kind of play. I think you definitely have to look at the past and understand when you're increasing games, there's a huge risk. And that risk, again, is just the wear and tear of the bodies. And you don't know how the reactions will be after the season. So say, for example, just saying an example here. Say a quarterback with a high value, a high QBR, right? Very good quarterback, tears his ACL in week 17. That's going to be like a blueprint of what this league can eventually be in the near future. And that's going to affect the product on the field. And that's going to affect NFL owners' pockets. And that's going to affect Roger Goodell and his his presence I think it's a huge huge risk there's a lot of reward on it but there's just not enough 
at the same time for the players to buy into it unless they get a huge incentive. So, for example, say, say you know, that quarterback or that wide receiver running back goes to the playoffs, right? At the end of their playoffs, wherever they land, they get a cut at the end of the at the end of the road for say five million dollars a piece. Whereas the teams that end at the end of the playoffs, they get a million bucks. So they get a million dollars in week eighteen. And if you lose out of the playoffs, you lose out of the playoffs. You lose four million dollars. I just think there's more incentive for somebody to see what's down the road rather than, you know, expecting to play eighteen games and not knowing what's there. And I think highly touted players and teams are going to look at it and say, well, I might take nights off if that's the case. And if that is the case, network's going to lose viewers because the product's not going to be the same on the field unless you have an outstanding depth chart. And it has yet to be seen. I mean, the quarterbacks in this league are pretty subpar. Like there's probably five to 10 good quarterbacks in this league. I'm talking like elite quarterbacks. I'm not talking Alex Smith. I'm not talking like possessional quarterbacks. I'm talking about top tier quarterbacks who can win games and do it in a very entertainment fashion. Because if you have an average Joe come off the bench, like Thursday night football does sometimes, it's not entertaining for the viewer to watch. It's the NFL, it's, it's the logo at the end of the day. It's, it's not the players on the field. And I, I think if they put 18 games on that calendar, whew, there's going to be old players t- you know, taking a seat back and saying, you know what, I'm just going to sit out for these two. I'm not going to play them. And what's the discipline? What do you give them as a discipline? That, that's the other thing. What else comes into play? If this guy doesn't want to play because he's looking out for the betterment of himself and looking out for his body, you can't give him like a punishment. But at the same time, the networks are going to get punished. The owners are going to get punished. So I, I think it's a moving target. I don't think there's necessarily a win or a lose. And I think they're going to have to like experiment. I think... You know, taking away preseason games probably going to be their mainstay. I think they're going to have to do it because if they get rid of, you know, two preseason games and make it regular season all throughout, then you have players that lose roster spots in training camp. So it's going to come down to what the players feel like is, is available, what the ownership of each team and the coaches feel about this process because I guarantee – that they would enjoy it, but they're not the ones on the field. And I get it. Like, players go through uh, exhaustion. Like, you know, they're going to have to figure out different schemes, figure out how to beat different teams. That's that's over the course of the season. That's warranted. And it's evident that that can most certainly do do justice. When I look at top-tier coaches, they can coach forever. They don't need to stop. But say you're a struggling team – and you're extremely weak, I don't necessarily think you have an advantage down the stretch with 18 games. If anything, you're going to make your record worse, and you might get a high draft pick, which is most certainly the case. And if that does happen, 
that's one thing Roger Goodell should look into as a discipline. If you're in the bottom four, I would say in the NFL, if you're in the bottom four, you all get the same percentage for the top pick. Because then there's no team willing to lose for a pick. And that's going to be staggering to me is the side effects of this 18-game season if it does take uh, place. Now, it's not a foregone conclusion, but I can guarantee Roger Goodell is looking at his pocket saying, why not keep building? Why not get more? Why not you know, improve the product? Why not possibly look at, even into a minor league system for football? I think it's a very wealthy sport to play in. There's huge risk and huge reward. Um, the risk might outweigh the, the reward at the end of the day when all these you know, players hang it up, especially if you're a linebacker. I mean, you've seen it. You know, look, I mean, it's sad. Look at Teddy Bruschi. He's suffered his, what, third or fourth stroke? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's common. It, it's just it is what it is. These players go through the wear and tear of their bodies. They don't really care for it because they know at the end of the day they're going to get paid. They love the sport of football. But the health is really concerning. That's a concerning factor. And I would love to hear, you know, what the NFLPA thinks of this because we've only heard the owner's side of things. And I know Roger Goodell and the owners have met up with NFL, you know, Players Association today in those quick meeting. But they're going through, um, you know, the CBA conversation so that there's no lockout. I believe it's into 2021. Um, so we got a couple of years, but it's going to happen quick. And they're going to have to come to agreement. Otherwise, if they don't see eye to eye within, you know, a year or so, it's not going to be, you know, good looking. It's going to be very, very ugly. If I'm Roger Goodell, I make it attractive to the players to get paid a significant amount. And I don't know what that amount is. Like I said, I was mentioning $5 million at the end of the road. And then for teams that don't make it to playoffs, they get a million bucks each player. In some cases, some players who make dirt money, garbage money, maybe they can benefit from that. But again, it, it all depends on salaries, who's getting paid what, what's the uh, rewards, what's the incentives. Like There's different amounts for each player just because the highest player is the best player, right? Some of the, Most of the time, I won't say all the time because look at Matthew Stafford. He got paid $27 million a year to play average quarterback play. At the end of the day, Roger Goodell has a huge decision. Put this in conclusion, it's a huge decision. And I think for the better of football, you have a huge audience. People love football. Put on Thursday night, put on Sunday afternoon, put like even Sunday morning to watch, you know, NFL Today and, you know, NFL on Fox. You got all these pregame shows. Then um, during like after Thanksgiving, you get Saturday games and then Sunday night and Sunday day, like I said. So it's always going to be a watchable, a watchable product. It's just a matter of do you want to take that risk? Not only lose players for the last two games of the season, but you could also lose players for the entirety of the NFL. Like these players could get messed up, but that's a that's on a game-to-game basis, right? So like anything can happen in a game. And I mean, I hate to say it, Ryan Shazier, Ancon Bolden, Reggie Bush got stuck a, a million times. 
that's just a side effect of playing football. And if you have two more games added to the, like I said, the event calendar, I, I don't know how much the NFL players will like that. So it remains to be seen, obviously, but I think it's there's a there's a large stake at risk to look at the players in the eyes and say we're going to extend this season to two more games. And you're going to go out there and you're going to play some football and you're going to have viewers watching. You're going to make money. It's a product. It's a business. It's a product. You have to accept it. You have to acknowledge it. I think a lot of fans don't really acknowledge that this is really guys hitting each other with a with a ball. Like and I I'm not hating on football, I love football, but when you add a certain amount of games to that schedule, that I'm telling you, that wear and tear on the body, the head, the neck, the back, the shoulders, the legs, it's gonna have to prolong that off season. They might have to extend the off season. And I don't think they want to do that. I think Roger Goodell loves the fact that football's year-round. You got the media. You got the draft. You know, you got um, the NFL Combine. You got the Super Bowl. You got the preseason. You got all these different events. He loves to have this year-round. But this atmosphere could change. This environment could change if Roger Goodell makes it 18 games. And like I said... We're going to have to see what that looks like. But for the, for the most part, referring back to Chris uh, Trapasso's, um article, I mean, it's a great point. These players get hurt or they take days off. The product on the field is not going to be the same. And we will see if Roger Goodell decides to do that direction. There might be... A disadvantage if they move it to 18 games. It's it's really like a win-win-lose-lose. It really is because you, you don't know. It's like a toss-up. I think two games is enough. I don't think five games would be most certainly acceptable. I, I would like to see it becoming real. I would. As a football fan, as a supporter of you know watching the pigskin, it, it's fun to watch. And I think fantasy lovers will love it. I think NFL Networks will love it. You know, you got ESPN, you got CBS, you got Fox, you know, you got NFL.com, CBS, sports. Like, it's all going to take form. But, they're, like I said, it's going to come down to the health of the players, the safety of the players. Roger Goodell has always looked out to the safety of the players, not off the field, on the field. He has always been worried because at the same time, CTE is a huge thing in the NFL. And it's always going to play a factor. And Roger Goodell has to look out for himself and the product of the NFL. Thank you all for listening.